Welcome to Sundoku Book Club, where we finally get around to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for literally 20 years. <laughs> I'm Emily Miner. <laughs> and I'm Leith Nelson. And today, I get to talk about the entire Chronicles of Narnia series. Our most ambitious episode ever. I have sitting in front of me this stack of seven books, plus the little, what do you call this thing? Like the... The set case for them. The box. The box. The box set. The fancy box that the box set comes in. Um, and this is I don't know if I, I don't know if I've told you this, but this is the same box set that I read as a child. Oh, like okay. these wow. same books. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I did not have that. Yep. <laughs> so I've taken them with me everywhere that I've lived. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And I've moved a lot. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to jump right in. Like, I was obsessed with these as a kid. Mm-hmm. I loved these books. I reread them probably more times than I could count. Um, but, I, you know, people are probably wondering, then why are you talking about them? Because this is that's not what this podcast is about. So I never, ever got around to The Horse and His Boy or The Last Battle. Okay. Um, the Horse and His Boy, I think for just mostly because I thought it was boring. <laughs> like, I remember my mom saying that it was one of her favorites and... I just could never get into it. I'm. Sh- I think I started it a few times, to- like a couple of times, but I could never get past the first couple of chapters. Okay. And I think I was like, "Where the, where are the Pevensey kids? <laughs> like this is boring." And like they're out in the desert, and I didn't really get it. And um, yeah, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> and then the last battle. I think was probably partially like I probably didn't really want it to end, but yeah. on it was okay. Well, I think it's because I don't really remember. So it was either that I didn't want it to end, or it was that I had sort of grown out of them after a while mm-hmm. and just never really got around to it. Um, also, I had heard that it's not many people's favorite, right? So. Um, but yeah, I have I have read them both now, <laughs> and I reread six out of I reread six out of the seven. I did not unfortunately have time to reread the Silver Chair, mm. which is a real bummer because I think that even if even not having read it in a while, it probably will still be my favorite. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I reread the rest just to sort of get like a fresher take on some of them. So mm-hmm. I'll be actually talking about all of them, but focusing hopefully a little bit more on the other two yeah so yeah any questions before i kind of dive in when was the last time you think you read like any of them before this Mm, i don't know every like i do this with just like books sometimes like i probably like popped out the magician's nephew at some point like reread a few chapters Mm, yeah within the last five years um i don't think i probably read the whole thing again um magician's nephew is my favorite that's why yeah um 
Wait, the well, magicians have you as your favorite? The ties with the silver chair. Oh, okay. Yes, I will get into more of that. But um, I don't know, maybe 10 years at least mm. since I really read one of them. Yeah. So, but I remembered a lot. Like, there, there wasn't a ton that I didn't remember. Um, so, yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. We got a lot to go through. Yes, we do. I have lots of notes. As I often do. Okay. Well, actually... Oh, yes. I think... I don't know if you have it written down. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything about, like, the movies and... Uh, like, the BBC stuff? I just wrote down no. that I love them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember loving them. Why? So, I think the only thing I want to ask is, like, you and I have both watched not only, like, the newer, like, mid to mm-hmm. late 2000s movies. The Disney... They're Disney ones, right? I don't think so. They might be. What? I don't know. I don't think so. Offhand, I don't think they are. Pause. I am looking this up. <clears throat> they are Disney movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. They are. All right. I did not remember that. Yep. Um, but we both have also seen the BBC productions of them, which I think were only... No, I, I can't say only. It's basically um, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe through the Silver, Silver Chair. It's only four of them. Yeah. And I remember those because my family used to constantly make fun of them. And I say through. There wasn't the horse in his Yeah, boy. I was just about to say that. Yeah. We, um, like, I remember when we watched them, we had just been, me and my brother had been introduced to Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. So we would riff, like them live <laughs> yeah basically as we watched them and it was fun to watch because like aslan is a stuffed lion who yeah. doesn't sometimes can open his mouth sometimes can't for those who don't know these were made in the late 80s and i think the last one was made in 1990 so yeah, yeah. so like pretty low budget like tv movie as honestly it's on par with like doctor who and other things like that of the time i would assume um they're not that good, except except for the Dawn Treader is okay, and the Silver Chair is amazing. <laughs> I That's don't the only know, one I really remember. I don't know how they did it, but somehow it's one of the few times giving a series like four movies, they just kept getting better and better as it went on, because the Silver Chair is like legitimately good. Like It's just... I don't know. It's a good book, obviously, but like the movie itself is also good. And you and I will have to rewatch it sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have very vivid memories of going to the Judson Library <laughs> in Elgin, Illinois, where I near where I grew up. Um, actually, where I grew up for a time, and going to the VHS section where you could get like. I don't know, like the unmarked, but just like on the label. Hmm. And we got like all of the BBC series. Yeah. I remember going with my parents and just watching the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch the animated Wine Witch in the Wardrobe? No. I don't even remember like where it was produced. Um, I watched it years and years ago with a friend. And I only remember that because his mom gave us Turkish Delight after we ate it, uh, after we watched it. Yeah. And it was okay. Right. The powdered sugar tasted good. 
it's sort of, I don't know, like it's rose flavored, I think, a lot of the time, like sort of these floral things, which oh. like can be really overpowering. I've never had it, but it honestly doesn't sound that great to me once I found out what it actually was, but I don't know. Oh. I've never tried it, so. So, finishing up Jesus, June and July. Mm-hmm. Um... Our summer vacation Bible school <laughs> specials. Yes, VBS. Um, so these, I don't know, just to get like the boring stuff out of the way, these are the Harper Collins um, versions, but the British versions. Um, it doesn't specify inside the cover, I don't believe, but. There is a difference in a couple of the books, um, whether it's the British or American. Um, and when I looked at the lines, this is these are the British versions. Um, the other thing is that just sort of like to get some like, I don't know, like publishing things out of the way. Um, this box set has the books in chronological order, not in published order, which a lot of people have problems with because the way that, like, if you know Lewis's writing, like, he inserts himself into the narrative quite a bit, yep. um, sort of acknowledging or, like, sort of this idea that he's, like, he's been told all these stories and he's simply relaying them to us. So... It doesn't always, for a fresh new reader who's never read any of these, it wouldn't make sense necessarily to read them in chronological story order because Lewis will talk about things that, like, if you haven't read mm. the book he published before that, even though maybe it comes after chronologically, you won't really know what he's talking about. Sure. I didn't run into that problem because I know what happens, so I didn't really have that issue. Also, these versions um there is a list in the front of every book it's the same list um just sort of like a comprehensive cast of characters and um the fourth character is jadis who most people would know is the white witch um because that's the most popular um incarnation Villain. yes um but she shows up in the first book it in this character description of her it says that she is complete um, completely evil she is also very dangerous even in the silver chair hmm. which implies that she is the witch who um is the silver chair villain that has never ever been said by c.s lewis um so it's, and I did a little research like a few, a couple weeks ago as I was still reading through these. And it sounds like HarperCollins or whoever just sort of took that liberty and like hmm. made that assumption and That's put that in there. And, you know, C.S. Lewis died in the 60s. So he didn't necessarily, I don't know, like how much, like, I don't know. Like he's, he was gone. Like he didn't have any say over it. And I don't know who like holds like the rights to his stuff or would be able to change that but um i i grew up reading these thinking that she was the silver chair villain um and i guess she's not hmm. so overall i have 
I was really excited to do this episode because I had a lot of nostalgic feelings reading rereading these, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of criticism, <laughs> <laughs> as I always do. Um, so honestly, I'm just going to sort of walk through them. That's okay. cool. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I'm... Go, I know what I just said, but like I'm gonna walk through them chronologically because that's how I've always read them. Hmm. That's how I read them this time. Um, maybe another day I will do it differently. <laughs> but uh, I do not remember the order I originally <clears throat> read them in. Like I just don't. I'm pretty sure <clears throat> I read like Line with Witch in the Wardrobe, then The Magician's Nephew, and then I'm pretty sure everything after that chronological. Okay. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Like. The Magician's Nephew is one of the only that's sort of published extra out of chronological order. Because yeah. it happens first chronologically. Yeah. But it was like the third one he published, or maybe the fourth. I don't remember. Okay. Anyway. The Magician's Nephew holds up. <laughs> it is so good. One of my favorites. Um, It's freaking creepy. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a creepy yeah. book. Like... Okay, so the White Witch originally shows up. She's like... Is it Charn? Yes. yes. Okay, so like the two kids that originally discover Narnia, they discover it basically by like they're in this sort of in-between space. There's a bunch of pools. And when you jump into the pools, you you end up in another world. And they end up jumping in this other pool, takes them to this dying world called charn um and the boy of the two he accidentally wakes up jadis who is the last queen of charn um and she being this was like a pretty evil wicked place lewis tells us Mm -hmm. um and she's like a terrible person and um like huge like probably had some giant blood in her blah 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 um if i remember right um they're going down and you see all the figures of the old rulers and they slowly become they look kind and slowly become more and more cruel yes absolutely i used to have a picture book of this which was really cool because you could see it and it was very short because i imagine this is supposed to be over the course of like thousands and thousands of years but you can see like their features become basically look human looking and then they become more like kind of gaunt and Mm -hmm. angular yeah and stern and like yeah definitely um and she's the last so obviously she she looks i think they describe her as like very beautiful very proud and very cruel looking Mm -hmm. um and she basically like takes a ride uh into the land of narnia Mm -hmm. with these kids um They try to get rid of her, and she is not going to be left in her dying world, so uh, she makes it happen. Um, Honestly, Tilda Swinton is perfect for that, Beth. She is. We're talking about attractive yet terrifying. (sighs) Truly, though. (laughs) Yeah, like she's got that kind of stony look that she can conjure up. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily would have liked them to make the magician's <laughs> nephew i am kind of bummed that it, i don't think it's ever been made into a movie yeah. or tv episode um 
But part of me is like, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Well, when they get to Narnia, it doesn't even exist, right? It's darkness, and then they're literally right? there it's, as it's It's there, there for, yes, the beginning of Narnia. Yeah. Um, Doesn't, like, Aslan come around and then, like, roar the sun into existence? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, like, the story of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, or similar. Um uh the other really creepy part is uncle andrew (laughs) who is um one of the kids uncles he's the magician he is the magician so the magician's nephew is our main character um yeah he's terrifying and like a really terrible person like i forgot just how creepy he is before you even He's, like, a really cowardly, like, bad guy. But, like, before you really get to know that, like, he's mentioned several times before you even meet him in the story. And it's, like, this, you already know. This is a, this is an adult you don't want to be around. And, basically, Diggory, who's his nephew, and his friend Polly, um, they get, like, stuck in a room with him. And he's very much, like, rubbing his hands and, like... Like, if you didn't know what this story was going to be about, like, you'd think that this guy was going to do some pretty, like, terrible, like, I don't know, like, beyond just, like, using them as guinea pigs for his magical world Mm -hmm. conjuring, like, you know, you would think that this guy was going to do some pretty terrible stuff to these kids otherwise. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, just really creepy. But, like, I'm a sucker for an origin story, and I don't want to go into too much detail in this because that's not what this episode yeah. is about. But, like, I love an origin story. You can, you, yeah. And it, it holds up. It's really great. Last thing I yeah. want to talk about that I remember is that planting things in this young Narnia makes mm-hmm. that thing grow, um, which is where the lamppost comes from. Yes. It's really cool. Yeah, it is really and cool. Uh, the uncle, who, as it goes on, becomes less creepy because uh, Jadis takes over as the main villain. Mm-hmm. A, becomes just a total, like, suck-up to yeah, her. Because he's like, uh, oh, I'm just, like, I can do parlor tricks in comparison. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to figure out how to, like, plant pieces of battleship into it so he can sell it to the British Navy and stuff. God, I almost forgot about that. Yes. He... Like, truly despicable. <laughs> he becomes more of a punchline towards the end, but yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, but still not a good yeah. person. <laughs> um, I'm not really going to say much about Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a classic. Mm. It's the most, you know, reproduced. Um, the best of the Disney movies, in my yep, opinion. Um, the only other thing I have to say about it... Lucy, I think, is an interesting character in this book. And after this book, I do not find her interesting whatsoever. Because she basically becomes, like, the human moral compass. And to be quite honest, I know that, like, that's what Lewis is going for here. But that does not make an interesting character to me. Um, She's always the one who's like, but I saw Aslan. And nobody ever believes her. It's a... Dumb storyline. It doesn't need to be repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the first third or half of Prince Caspian. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. It comes up all the time in yeah. Prince Caspian. Um, what makes her interesting in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, though? Well, I think it's inter- I think that storyline is interesting the first time around when like oh, she goes into the world and none of gotcha. them yeah. none of them believe her. Yeah. Um and the way that she sort of like brings Susan to the stone table after uh Aslan has died and obviously it comes back to life, but like I don't know, like she I like that she's like this sort of pure-hearted person um who's obviously extremely caring and i liked that in the first in that Mm -hmm. book but after that it's sort of like a flattened version of that character with a just looping storyline so does that make sense no yeah totally okay i'm gonna move right along uh horse and his boy so this (laughs) is the first that i read for the first time um so good i really <laughs> slept on this book <laughs> it used to be my favorite really yep yeah. that was the one i would reread i definitely would not call it my favorite but i might call it third favorite like it's pretty good mm-hmm. um i to be completely honest i don't have a lot specifically to say about this one other than like the character development is really cool and interesting, yeah. um, especially with the horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who is Brie, yes, right? Yes, Brie. Um, yeah, there's just like a lot of cool, interesting characters in this. And like, they're all kind of going through their own thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that C.S. Lewis is bad at like, figuring out how much time to spend on certain parts of the story or on certain characters. And in The Horse and His Boy, I feel like everybody... I mean, there there are our main characters, but everybody sort of gets their development. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, also, racism. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really liked this book, but um, I thought it was kind of interesting or just... I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's a reason to it. More just coincidental that the two books that I hadn't read until now were the only two where Callerman, which is the land south of Narnia, is really mentioned. Double south of Narnia. That, that's right. It's <laughs> it's Narnia. South of Narnia is Arkenland, and south of Arkenland is Callerman. Um, and I meant to look this up, but there's no way that. Caller men spelled C A L O R M E N. There's no way that that's not a reference to the fact that the people there are people of color. <laughs> like I just feel like there's no way that that's a coincidence. Anyway, they're all like constantly just like these people are cool and proud, and they worship a false god named Tash. Yeah, and the um king uh is like every time you mention his name you have to say uh may he live forever yeah. and um yeah very like middle eastern coded very kind of absolutely like um and i was trying to think like is it happens in the last battle too and i was trying to figure out you know is lewis trying to sort of is this a sort of general like <laughs> is he talking about islam and um hinduism and you know different things but i'm like no i think it's just islam yeah Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, not the greatest. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think it's worse in the last battle, which I'll cut to in a bit. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about it. Like, I missed out. I should have been reading it a long yeah. time ago. Um, but I'm really glad I get to appreciate it now. I think, and we, we'll get back to this, but I think that the reason The Horse's Boy was my favorite was because it's very grounded mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. You're not, there's not exactly a big bad. There's like a bad thing they're trying to stop, if I remember, because there's like a war yeah. that's going on. Or yeah, going they're basically started. racing against yeah. this war that they're trying to stop it from happening yeah. in the first place. And, but otherwise, it's like a boy who like is about to be sold into slavery, mm-hmm. runs off with a horse that can talk, and like is basically like on the run going through like adventures and stuff yep so yeah it's very just like it has it has a clear plot line yeah. and it sticks to it mm. yeah. so yeah it's a fun one mm-hmm. highly recommend um prince caspian on the other hand wow <laughs> what a what a dud <laughs> <laughs> loving it like i don't understand why i picked this one up and liked it and i didn't with horse and his boy because i was a dumb kid uh i didn't even finish it i stopped halfway through there is i checked it's literally 60 pages of trumpkin the dwarf just telling the pevensey kids (laughs) about caspian's life literally up until like the point that we left off in the actual storyline and it's like stuff that trumpkin could not possibly have any idea of because he wasn't around for all of it um and here can i actually we don't have to keep this in but um so like right before uh he's about to tell this story um uh, C.S. Lewis actually intervenes like he often does, and he says, um, I shall not give it to you in, in his, meaning the dwarf's, words, putting in all the children's quotations and interruptions because it would take too long and be confusing. And even so, it would leave out some points that the children only heard later, but the gist of the story, as they knew it in the end, was as follows. And then you have 60 pages of, like... Oh, my gosh. And, like... The problem is that when you've already, re- like, this is not a rereadable book because it's really just like that on ramp to the Dawn Treader. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is not an interesting story in its own right, in my opinion. Because I was like, I know how it's going to end up. Caspian mm-hmm. is going to overthrow his uncle, who's like this evil king, and then he'll be king. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. There will be a bad battle. So I didn't finish it. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> to me, the interesting thing about both The Horse and His Boy and um, Prince Caspian is that there are other humans throughout mm-hmm. it. That's true. Because like in Narnia, and, and like this is part of the whole thing that about reading it chrono- uh, in publication order, yeah. not chronologically. Um, in Narnia... It basically feels like the Pevensey kids are the only humans yeah. to exist. They are the sons and sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. Yeah. Um, and then 
chronologically, the horse and his boy takes place during uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because it's while they're reigning. And then it turns out, like, oh, south of Narnia, it's all human land. Yeah. Like, (laughs) there's nothing special about them, which is kind of strange. Well, and I heard, and I don't even remember where it was, or maybe it was from you, but that, so Prince Caspian's whole like lineage is mm. from pirates who somehow yes. ended up in narnia yes. did you tell me that i did not tell you that okay that <laughs> yes where did because he i don't remember reading that it's in there is yeah it really? it's in prince casting oh okay yeah so Probably like because i just missed it if i remember right it's at the end and it's aslan basically telling them because there is like a hint of like telmarine like human exceptionalism like they don't believe in the animals and the magic yeah, and all that. They're all above all. that. And so, at, if I remember correctly, Aslan kind of like, at the end of it, like, knocks them down a peg and says, by the way, you're all descended from pirate, no good pirates, so, like, get off your high horse. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of mad. I'm kind of sad I missed that, but not sad enough to go back yeah. and reread <laughs> the rest of it. Mm, that's no. great. Mm. Yeah. But I, I, the reason I was saying that is, like, I like the idea that... Like the people from, I always said Archenland. So, oh, yeah. Archenland and Kellerman and the islands mm-hmm. and everything are all just people from Earth who just like tumbled through pockets at different right. points yeah. in time. It's just kind of cool. But I think it's interesting that they ended up sticking around, whereas like the Pevensey kids never do. Right. But I guess then there's the fact that like the first king and queen of Narnia, they were from. England, mm-hmm. Frank and whatever his wife's name was, she he was like a cabbie um in the magician's nephew. Mm-hmm. And they just like stick around. So I yeah. think I think it's funny like who what humans stay and sort of like make a life in generations there mm-hmm. and who who doesn't. Yeah. Um yeah. Always kind of wondered why. Because like the Pevensey kids do have like a full life basically up until at least like their thir- like 30s yeah. in Narnia and then they're sent back home. Well, at least enough that you don't I don't think they were like romantically involved with them Mm-mm. except for Susan is mm-hmm. like being wooed by someone in, in Callerman, but that yeah. never turns out she yeah. doesn't like him. He's a bad guy. <laughs> um Yeah, anyway, uh sorry. Anything else with Prince Caspian? No, we are it. Half an hour, and we're about halfway through. Oh, so good job. Sweet. Okay. Um, yeah. Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, this was a fun one to reread, mm-hmm. partially because we were sort of taking a little road trip last weekend, and we, not for the whole book, but for a good part of it, we sort of read it back and forth mm-hmm. out loud to each other. And I forgot how much I like doing that both on both ends. Yep. Um, like that made the drive more, I don't know. It just made the drive <laughs> fun doing both, doing both ways. Um, basically, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader is little, I don't think I'd call them like vignettes because they're all connected, but it's sort of more episodic. Uh they're on this ship. It's Prince Caspian is sort of the mm-hmm. leader on this ship. He's out looking for the uh, lords who were banished by his uncle when his uncle was still reigning. Um, and this is one of the only books that doesn't have any of the 
Oh, no, I lied. Sorry. Lucy and Edmund, right? Lucy and Edmund are both in this book, but they bring along their cousin, (laughs) who is my favorite character (laughs) of this whole... Like, I love Eustace Clarence Scrub (laughs) so much. (laughs) He is such a little asshole. (laughs) And then he turns out to be like this, like, good... And interesting, not always interesting, but like this kind of cool person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the most interesting part of this book to mm-hmm. me is his storyline. So they get pulled in basically through a picture, <laughs> a, a painting yeah. um, of a ship at sea, get pulled in by Aslan onto Kin- Prince Caspian's ship. And Eustace is complaining the whole time. Um, oh, and I have to say the best line about him. <laughs> I don't even, I think I can quote it off memory, but Lewis is like, his name was Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird name. <laughs> um, and he's like a complete little jerk the whole time, which I mean, like, you know, Imagine you were pulled into this magical land mm-hmm. that you didn't think was real and you don't really want to be there and everyone, you know, I get it. But also he was a little jerk beforehand. <laughs> um, and then they get to like one of their first islands and he gets turned into a dragon. And then he gets turned back by Aslan, of course, because Aslan fixes everything. Um, but like, I don't know, just that whole storyline. Mm-hmm. He's he's a very interesting character to me, and um, I liked it. There, he does go on for a while. Lewis goes on for a while on a story <laughs> that does not deserve three whole chapters, but you know that's okay. Well, because the Don Treader is another one um, where. There's not a big bad thing no, going on. It's no, just not even a little bit. It's more of a I don't know how to describe it. There's a lot of these fantasy books that are like we have to collect all the things. Like we have to get the seven pieces of the sword or the seven parts of the tapestry. And in this case, it's the seven awards mm-hmm. that were like exiled from yeah. uh Narnia. And then eventually they find all of them and uh, Reepicheep, who is this very valiant and noble mouse, um, a talking mouse, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I want to get to the end of the world because there's all these, you know, tales about how Aslan's country is, you know, west far past these islands that they're sailing through. Um, and, uh, yeah, they get there and Ribichi basically like says toodaloo to everybody and like <laughs> dies and goes to Aslan's country. He doesn't die. He does. He goes to Aslan's country's heaven. You don't have to die to go to heaven. Two people in the Bible get to go to heaven without dying. Who? Uh, either. Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember one. Okay. And one of somebody, somebody else. I don't remember who. I had no They're, idea. Whichever one of the prophets, Elijah or Elisha, I, can't, I think it's Elijah, could be wrong. Uh, literally, like a chariot comes down and he goes back up in it. 
Well, that's basically rape chief. Yep. Yeah. They like sail him to the end of the of the end of the world, and he's like, "Okay, like, see you guys later, maybe." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because like, spoiler alert for uh, the last battle, but like, Eustace and Jill don't die. Right? No, you're right. Well, it's they because just... it's the end of the world, though. Right, but they just enter. They don't like. Have to Do they die. end up? Yes. No, they do die. They do. Oh no, you're right. Wait, yeah. Yeah, they don't die. Neither does that Kellerman guy. Yeah, you're right. At least the way I read it. Yeah. They don't die. They we'll simply get, enter. Let's get into that more okay, in a okay. in a couple books. Yes, we we need to come back to that though. Um, do you have anything else about Voyage of the Dawn? Yeah, so yeah. what I was going to say is that because they're going around collecting these guys, really they're just finding out what happened. Because right. some of them are dead, <laughs> are dead um, usually in very interesting or Aesop-like ways. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Although the guy who, so like there's a, one of them is like, each of these islands is basically like a little short story of like, here's a strange thing about this island. They like solve the puzzle and then they leave, and the like the solution the reward is getting finding out what happened to the Lord, yeah. and a number of them are dead, and like one which is an Aesop is like him the one who turned into a dragon yes. because they find a horde and it the greed that fills your heart like turns you into a dragon essentially, but one where there's a pool of gold that dude just was going to take a bath and turned into gold. Right. Like, There's no lesson for him. <laughs> right. Like, how is he supposed to know? He just saw a pool. Yeah. It wasn't like he got greedy. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of messed up. But, like, because each of these stories is pretty, like, self-contained, there is one island where there is no ward, and that is the puds, which you and I both agree is Three incredibly annoying. chapters on it. And unnecessary. The only parts that were really funny was is when <laughs> the chief Duffelpud is like go trying to tell a short story and he like goes on and on and on and they keep saying like to make a long story short and then he goes on this long tangent again and all of his little other Duffelpuds are like, yep, you couldn't have said it better. <laughs> like <laughs> that part was funny. Yeah. But the rest... Yeah, but um, the thing that stood out to me throughout that as we were reading it was that every single time Aslan fixes the problem, even when there's not really a huge problem, like literally just people starting to argue, he will show up and he won't say anything, but people will be like, oh, probably shouldn't be doing this in front of in front of god and everything. (laughs) So, which was a little annoying because it feels like Every single one of those was pretty interesting in their own right. And then it's just, like, fixed. And then it's like, well, on to the next one without, like, having to solve the problem on their own. Right. There's no introspection. It's just like, I shouldn't be doing this yeah. because he told me not to. Yeah. And I and I get that, like, again, that, like, kind of the purpose of these is sort of, like, giving these little lessons. Yeah. But I do think... I don't think, like, most people's experience is, G- is Jesus popping into their bedroom and, like, saying, 
tisk tisk and then like popping back I out. think it's more like a story version of like a what would Jesus do bracelet yeah. <laughs> like just wear the bracelet and make sure that you remember that it's yeah. there and that he's there yeah um yeah I think the one time I liked it was there's this like nightmare island where your dreams come to life and it's legitimately creepy like what's going on um and like an albatross shows up and it feels like Aslan or something like that. And so, like, that part was interesting, but it wasn't just, like, solving the problem. Right. But well, but the reason why I mentioned at the beginning that this was, these were the, this is the British version of the books yeah. is because we found out that in the American version of the Dawn Treader, in that dream island, because um, in, the, in the British version, the one we read... Um, Aslan or the albatross, who I'm assuming is Aslan, makes the island go away once they get out of its fog. Um, it disappears. In the American version, he gets them out of the fog, but the island is still there. And Mm. the lord who was stuck on that island for like 10 years or whatever... He is like clearly traumatized, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more serious than the American version. Yeah, like he's offered all this money and rewards, and he's like, "I, I only thing I want is to never talk about what happened yeah. there." And then they give the reward, or like, it's guess it's not really a reward, but mm-hmm. later on in the story, because they take him on the ship, they give him this opportunity to sleep with no dreams and he's like sign me up yep. i take take me <laughs> i don't want to dream ever again um overall a fun read not a, not a favorite mm-hmm. but definitely not at the bottom of the the list okay i say we talk about silver chair still that's fine i wrote down a couple things about it yeah. um yeah silver chair even creepier than Magician's <laughs> Nephew. Yeah, definitely. Probably why they're my two favorites. I just think that they're kind of darker and edgier. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that I... Again, why did I never read Horse and His Boy? Because I do sort of like the side stories. To me, Silver Chair is not really like um, the main timeline mm-hmm. of this whole series. Yeah. Um, Partially because it's the, now I'm right, it's the only book that does not have any of the Pevensey kids in it. Yeah. It has Eustace from the Dawn Treader, who is now a better person, and his schoolmate, Jill Pohl. Um, and I didn't, I, I wish that I had time to reread it, but I just didn't. Um, but yeah, like, it's creepy, and they go to the giant city and almost get eaten and then there's the whole underground world Mm -hmm. and the evil witch who apparently is not the white witch or jadis um just oh another witch yeah uh but basically the whole thing is they're trying to find um prince caspian's son prince rillian who has been basically he was kidnapped when he was a very young child by the witch um and has been enchanted for like 10 plus years and they go and they find him and they they free him um also has one of like besides eustace and honestly this character might be probably is even better 
Puddle Glum, <laughs> the Marsh Wiggle. Like, what a name, first of all. The exact opposite of Eustace's name. Yeah. <laughs> he is the Eeyore of the Lewis books. He's absolutely wonderful. He's just like this tall marsh man named Puddle Glum. Like, what a wonderful creation. Yeah. You have things to say about him? Or? Yeah, my, I think the one of the greatest uh, tragedies of... Well, of the Disney Narnia movies getting steadily worse and worse um, because Prince Caspian was fine and the Dawn Treader was awful. Yeah. Um, is that we didn't get to see the silver chair get made and we didn't get to see Alan Rickman play Puddle Glum. Wait, was that going to be a thing? Or are you just saying that would have been good I'm casting? I'm saying Alan Rickman would have been a perfect Puddle Glum. He really would have been. I've never thought about that, but like how... And he's gone now, so there's mm. never... He would be great at it. He would be really good at it. Do you know who else I think would be good at it who just sure. popped into my head? I don't remember his name. And also, I can never remember if he's American or British. He's in Firefly. He's like the pilot. Well, uh... Da, 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 da. He's got blonde Alan hair. Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah. I think he would be an interesting puddle glum. Um, but yeah, too bad. Alan Rickman would have been a great choice. Yeah. Oh, apparently. Oh, that's right. He shows up in the last battle, but just like Puddle Glum shows up in the last battle, but just to, like get into heaven. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Other things you want to talk about with the silver chair? Nope. Okay. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember being creeped out when they start going below the earth. Uh, and are like so trapped there. Good. Yeah. Very creepy. Very enjoyable. <laughs> it really should be made into another movie, but like by someone who has like some artistry <laughs> <laughs> and not just as a mindless child money grab. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say it. So, like, the reason I intensely dislike the Don Treader movie is because. It doesn't just like kind of embrace that this is a like kind of just like a adventure serialized story where mm -hmm. you go to one place, you tell the story, and you move on to the next. Right. Honestly, it would work better as like a TV show, Absolutely. miniseries, or something. Um, they had to turn it into like, okay, we need another big bad guy. We're gonna make it this green mist <laughs> that will become the bad guy remember. in every place. So it becomes the sea serpent. The mist becomes like this thing that chases them into the, the nightmare island or i can't remember what i never rewatched it Stupid. i watched i watched the first Narnia movie like five times in theaters i have only ever seen the dawn treader once so that's just as bad as having aslan show up to fix every tiny little thing yeah in my and i'm opinion. pretty sure they even didn't have aslan fix everything i think he still fixes the like lucy might accidentally use the prettifying spell or whatever and yeah the the gossip spell because that's what women do with magic. <laughs> so freaking stupid! I hated that part. Yeah. Um, can we get into the last battle? Absolutely. Cool. So, I literally finished reading this book um, about four and a half hours ago. All right. <laughs> So, it is very fresh. Not a favorite. 
I wrote th- I wrote this down. Not a fave, but a page turner. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing like pull line to like you know when books have it. <laughs> Not a favorite, but a page turner. <laughs> I would read that. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, like it was good. It was well written. Um, it was the only book that I really felt like I had no idea what was going to, I mean, like, I think I sort of knew what the end point was, um, but I did not know how we were going to get there at all, um, was pretty lost in a good way through it. Um, but like, I read this book in like two, two and a half hours. Like I flew through it because it was, it's good. It's well written. I'm always sort of trying to figure out what's happening or what's going to come next. Um, so I'll give a little background. This book happens about a year after the silver chair happens in terms of earth time. Um, so Eustace come and Eustace and uh Jill come back but um but I uh, it's been about a year for them since the silver chair for Narnia whose time runs much differently it's been um between 2 and 300 years so the prince that they helped disenchant from the evil witch he is the great-grandfather of the great-grandfather of the current and last king of Narnia, King Tyrion. Um, yeah, but Tyrion is like a good king, kind of rash at the beginning. because, uh, Like, he has good intentions, but he sort of, like, acts quickly. And C.S. Lewis says, like, has a little line where he says, like, if he had maybe not acted so rashly, like, things may not have gone downhill as quickly as they did. But it doesn't matter because Narnia literally ends. <laughs> well, kind of and kind of not. Like, the world that they knew as Narnia ends mm-hmm. in this book. Which makes sense because it's the last book. Um, and Callerman... Caller means who are people from Callerman, um, play a much larger role in this book than the others. Um, maybe even then, I don't know, like, they're basically only in this book and A Horse and His Boy. Um, they pop up in the Don Treader. Yeah, they do a little bit. You're right. But anyway, um, this is Lewis's book to really hit home Christianity. <laughs> um, because this this book is basically like, you know, an equivalent to the book of Revelations. Um, although I expected a lot more to, to happen because of that. <laughs> but like, it's made pretty obvious, like some, there's, there's some allusions to what happened in our world about like um you know people saying that uh islam and christianity are actually the same 
or they worship the same God. Mm. Um, and that it's just like their names are just different names for the same God. Like all the Abrahamic religions. Right. Exactly. Um, so in these books, um, Tash is the God of the Calermines. And obviously Aslan is sort of the God of the Narnians. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aslan basically hasn't been around for the past 200 years. Like, nobody's seen him. Um, Which is interesting considering, like, he does show up for every tiny little thing in the Dawn Treader. And then he's basically nowhere to be... Well, I mean, obviously, there you can make the argument for, like, he's always there. He's just yeah. never seen. Yeah. Um, but nobody witnesses him for about 200 years. Mm-hmm. Um... And I can't help but I'm always just like make I can't help it. Lewis is setting me up for it. Like I see connections between what people talk about in our world and what happens in the books and like, you know if you, you know, believe in the Bible and are Christian or, you know, whatever, then you know, you think that Jesus died and it's been over two thousand years since that i get what do you mean jesus was born in the year zero or whatever and he died when he was 30 so once we hit 2030 then it will be over 2000 years so wait is there like a 30 year period between between the end of bc and the beginning of ad no because ad does not stand for after death it doesn't it does not stand for what? after death <laughs> There's just 30 years in there (laughs) that Jesus was around that are uncounted for. No. no. (laughs) AD stands for Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So that's the year he was born. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we're coming up on 2,000 years. Yep. Anyway, you know, it's like... You know, back during like the Old Testament and even the New Testament, like in the New Testament, we have Jesus and the Old Testament, there are all these like other prophets. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Obviously. Extremely. Yes. <laughs> but like that idea that like miracles and prophets aren't really like a thing anymore. Catholics would disagree. I'm but a sure. Lot of disagree, and but yeah. obviously like I am. This is yeah. just from what I hear on the block. <laughs> um, but, like, there is this idea that, like, he's not, we're not always witnessing anymore, right. maybe, yeah. from a Christian perspective. Um, and because of that, uh, there has been a lot in, in Narnia, they're, they've become more friendly with Kalerman and the Kalermeans. Um, although the Kellermeans basically, like, take over Nardia during this book. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, commentary basically on Islam and how, ta- like, Lewis is clearly, and Aslan literally says, like, Tash is not me. Like, mm. we are not the same. But the thing is, is that Tash shows up. Yeah. Tash, Tash is, is real. real. Yeah. Like their God is real, which I'm like, okay, but like, what do you, what do you believe 
Clive. <laughs> I have no problem with it, but I'm very confused about what you believe. But then at the end, Aslan, because like there is a Kellerman kid who gets in, even though he was like devoted to Tash, but the way he was devoted to Tash, like he did good deeds. And because of that, Aslan says that any deeds that you do for like good, even though you made even though you may think you're doing them in the name of Tash, you're doing them in my name. Yeah. And because of that, he gets into Aslan's country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. I wonder if maybe it's just a way to make it more, like, uh, tangible for a kid reading it. Like, this actually is a real god, but he's a bad god. Yeah. There's, like, so there are different ways of talking about it. So, like... There are um, arguments that are, and I am in no way, like, I don't know a ton about theology, so I don't know where these arguments lie, but I know that there are readings of the Bible and the Torah and other things where um, the commandment to have no other gods before me is an acknowledgement of other gods, but but like God capital G is the God. He's the right one. Sure. Um, I will say that it's also not the first time another God shows up in Narnia. In Prince Caspian, Bacchus appears. Oh, right. You did tell me that, which is a Greek God. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I missed some stuff. He shows up in it and it, like, he's there to party because it's when all the animals are coming back. Although, like, true Narnians basically are kind of coming back to, like, take back uh, the country. Um, so that's like also kind of interesting, but yeah, I, I am not entirely sure what he was like going for with that. No clue. I really I think, don't. I think this is one of those points where maybe, even though I don't necessarily agree with it, Tolkien's complaint that C.S. Lewis just tosses in whatever he wants, <laughs> um, kind of rings a little true. <laughs> Because Tolkien, little, little, little bit. Mm-hmm. Tolkien was very much like, okay, the world I'm here making here is extremely Germanic and Norse, and there are orcs and elves, and dwarves and hobbits, and that's it. Yeah, he sticks to rules <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, whereas like C.S. Lewis will have like satyrs and fawns and um, nymphs and dryad, dryads. The, well, yeah, but those yeah. are naiads and dryads, and those are all very Greek. But he will also have like. He'll just throw in whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's I wish I could give a better stuff. example because everything dwarves I'm and yeah, so, so yeah, talking dwarves. animals and yeah. dwarves and dragons and all those yeah. things. Yeah. But you know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. And also, and I don't even care that you read Lord of the Rings when you were like in third grade or whatever the grade. heck you read it. I don't even care. That's insane. <laughs> but like to me, the Chronicles of Narnia are kids' books, and the Lord of the Rings is not. Yeah. And to me, that's like, I don't know. I mean, not that like kid, not to like upset anybody, because kids' books obviously can have like world rules and things like that. But like, I think it's fun to play around with it. Like, I don't have a problem with it. Um, when it comes to other things. I don't have a problem even with Tash being real in the mm-hmm. book. I just don't know what the purpose is. When you're thinking of it, of it as like an allegory yeah, or something, I it's kind of hard to... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, 
it's not like unfathomable. It's yeah. not. But. Honestly, the um, the Calermine who goes into heaven is one of the most interesting parts of the book because it's like an extremely strong like theological statement that like a lot of Christians would don't not believe. Agree with. Do yeah. not believe. Yes, yeah. I I wrote down like actions over god <laughs> yeah. um which i think that's really interesting because like i've often had you know the and I'm, other people have too about like well what about people who are never introduced to the concept of a mm-hmm. christian god or jesus like are they just effed <laughs> just left yeah. out on, on principle and i think that lewis would say well no like as long as they're following you know, we already had our right. my, my Lewis on Mere Christianity episode, right? If you're following that capital T truth, that that God-given morality, mm-hmm. um, then that's, you know, yeah. points towards heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in the good place. <laughs> I think, yeah, like, it's really... Um, so for one thing, to talk about people before ever hearing about jesus there are some people who will just argue that like if you never got the chance you basically get like a freebie yeah like you just get to go really really wow yeah um (laughs) i don't know how (laughs) i don't know if that's like a serious like uh consideration but um by like people who studied that sort of thing but uh to me it kind of makes sense especially since we talked about mere christianity where kind of how like because c.s lewis is like building that like if you believe in like truth then all of these therefore 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 and then like god the christian god that sort of thing yeah it makes sense to me that like in his mind doing good things equals godly and Mm -hmm. heavenly things yeah it's Um, god acting through you and you making that happen yeah Yeah. um and to an extent like to me like the the thing that immediately comes up is like one of the things that jesus says is that um when you feed the hungry you're feeding me when you're like clothing the poor you're clothing me those Mm -hmm. sort of things so like that's another thing that kind of is it doesn't matter who you thinking you're who you think you're doing it to or why you might be doing it in reality it is doing something for jesus or for god yeah. so that kind of like is along those same sort of like line of thoughts yeah it's a, yeah definitely similar um yeah very very interesting i actually really liked that part at the end where the Callerman kid is like sitting against this tree he's not and... exactly a kid well, he's a soldier. He's, yes, but he's a young, younger soldier. Okay. Um, like it, I think that there's. I mean, it doesn't say how old he is. I don't know if he calls him a kid, but like it, it makes it clear that he is younger. Um, can I move on to a different point? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he doesn't just talk about um, Islam. He also talks about uh, what I consider to be. Um, uh, atheism okay so there is this group of dwarves who um they're sort of they're very so okay i think i kind of have to go at least a little bit into plot here i'm gonna try and sort of zoom through this okay there's a 
an ape and a donkey. The ape is like this greedy, kind of clever, and then not so clever guy. The donkey thinks that he's stupid. The ape gets the donkey to dress up like Aslan (laughs) and gets everybody to believe that this donkey is Aslan. And most of these Narnian animals don't know any better because they haven't seen Aslan in 200 years. So they believe him. And the ape is using this to like... He be, he's like talking about how he's like the mouthpiece of Aslan and like, you better bring me whatever I want. Otherwise, Aslan will smite you, essentially. Um, and then that turns into like a much larger thing where the Calermans, Calermans end up getting involved. Um, and that sort of ends up being the last battle, right? Mm-hmm. But like uh, in the midst of all of this, like there's all these narnians around trying to do whatever this aslan is telling them so the kids that are the main characters and king Tyrion are able to rescue the donkey who's dressed up as aslan and show him to this group of dwarves to prove that um this this person they're the 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 lion that you thought was aslan is just a trick yeah. um, and a pretty bad one, <laughs> like a poorly done one. And the king doesn't think, he thinks like, well, this will show them and then they'll join our side. The dwarves take this as a sign that Aslan doesn't exist. Mm. Aslan doesn't exist. Tash doesn't exist. Because King Tyrion is like, see, like I... I, like, this is a false Aslan, but I, like, am coming to you with, like, the message of the true King Aslan. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't see this guy. Like, you're just, you're just pulling us along again, whether you think so or not. And that's this whole thing about, like, the dwarves are for the dwarves. They're for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end, when Aslan ends the world he brings the dwarves in but they can't see anything because they won't accept like what aslan is trying to bring them into and um, yeah so there's obviously like a very clear message about like if you refuse to see if you refuse to Mm -hmm. believe then you then that's it for you like you don't get to experience the wonders of heaven um yeah, just, there's like some clear mm-hmm. allegories here. Um, there is some cool stuff to me about like, you know, going back a little bit to the ape, um, who's like kind of this greedy mouthpiece. What's um, his name? His name is Shift, which is a Shift. funny name considering he's a trickster. Um, so this is page thirty nine. Uh, And this is Shift talking. Um, What do you know about freedom? You think freedom means doing what you like. Well, you're wrong. That isn't true freedom. True freedom means doing what I tell you. (laughs) Um, And obviously, like, I like this message, like, because Lewis clearly doesn't believe that that's (laughs) true. Like, 
And I like that message, but um, it's probably kind of hypocritical <laughs> in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, I don't know, when you think about like structured religion, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people would probably agree that there are, not all, but there are some greedy mouthpieces yeah. <laughs> in there. Um, so that was interesting. Um, two other main points. One is, gosh, that racism again. Yeah. (laughs) That pesky, pesky racism. Um, the dwarves constantly call the Calarmines darkies. That's fun. Cool. Um, there's like... I mean, it's the same sort of stuff that's repeated from Horse and his boy. Like, these are a cruel and proud people. Actually, like, in some ways, there are some similarities drawn in my mind, like, linguistically between the Callerman and Charn. Okay. Oh, Um, the way that you described them as, like, attractive yet. Yes, attractive yet cruel people. Um, I... And then there's a line, I don't even know if I, it's it's just weird. Like, there's this line about how they smelled of garlic and onions, mm. but it's in a very pejorative way, yeah. like the rest of the sentence. Like the rank or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the same shit as saying, like, talking about people like smelling like curry and stuff like that like that's not okay um and then there's this part that i sort of i mentioned to you when we talked about just ever so briefly about dark blackface oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um where uh the kids and the king they're trying to uh disguise themselves as calorimines and so they dress in their hmm. armor. Um, and then there's this liquid that they can put on themselves that can only be removed by like a common combo of like ash and grease or like a fat um, to wash it off. Yeah. But it'll give them the darkened color of the skin of calorimines. Um, and I came, <laughs> I was reading that and I came in <laughs> to talk to you and I was like, is this blackface? Yeah. And I think we kind of settled on, in our opinion, not being people of color, that I don't think so, but it's definitely like in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a weird thing. Honestly, to me, it's more of a... Not even in fiction is it, like, a blackface issue. It's more from C.S. Lewis's point of view. Because to me, like we were talking about, uh, Kellerman and, like, the whole country and their beliefs and the way they do things is very, like, Islam, Middle Eastern coded. And most people from, like, Saudi Arabia or, like, Lebanon or whatever not that dark skin. No, they're not. Mm. It, it to me that's very much like the way like you culturally color people. Yeah. So like the idea of Indians as red, Native Americans as red skinned mm-hmm. when we're like that's people not... <laughs> in a religion can be like racially and ethnically and yeah. even co- like 
as far as like the color of your skin beyond mm. that, very diverse. Yeah. So like the idea, like we have these colors associated with certain like groups of people, which is like absolutely not the case. Like if you actually just like take a pixel of their skin color, you just are like, this is this specific shade of brown. Yeah. And that's how it is for practically everybody except for like whatever pink or like translucent <laughs> like I am sometimes. <laughs> um so to me, like, that's just, like, it was more interesting thinking of, in C.S. Lewis's mind, Cowerman or people from the Middle East or Asia, as he would probably think of it, are very brown. Yeah. And that is how they have to disguise themselves. And not, I mean, if I remember the scene, and I probably don't, this is, like, nighttime-ish. Mm-hmm. And then, so yeah. they're sneaking around. Right. And mm-hmm. also, Jill knows, like, hand signs or to do, like... The instead of like s- and sh- yes noises. Uh, she's a very good like um sort of tracker. Yes. Yeah. Um. And you don't need that much disguising. No, you when don't. It's that, like wearing the armor is going to get you far enough. It was literally in the dead of night. Yeah. Like they would. Anyway, it's just sort of weird. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like, there's not. There's not really like a whole lot of layers to it. It's just like there's some blatant like racism slash like clear like animosity towards um Islam. The uh, other one that stood out to me was that and so the only part I read during was the Don Treader. And you can tell me I, I think there's more of this in The Horseman's Boy. Yeah. But slavery yeah. only really exists in Calorman. Yeah. Which is because Narnia is similar to the Earth in a lot of ways, it's this like it creates this skewed perception of how the world is, mm-hmm. which is where the white people don't right. have slaves and the brown people do, which is incorrect. And right. like the idea, it's just yeah. I don't have anything else to say on that. And but in the Dawn Treader, they talk about like, do we need to reconquer these islands? And I'm like, yeah. They call him the emperor of the Lone Islands for a reason, because he is the emperor. Like, this this is not a, you know, he's, you know, Narnia obviously is painted as the good place. Yeah. Um, with the good kings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may all be perfect, but they're all good. But, again, this is not like... A, you know, not even that this is not a democracy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the king does what he wants in but in the name of Aslan. Yeah. And because they're white and it's the name of Aslan and they're from Narnia, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're from Kellerman, and I'm not trying to say that like slavery's good, <laughs> it's obviously not, but yeah. like they're the ones that are associated with yeah. like poor governing practices and human rights violations yeah. <laughs> um yeah anyway uh it's like not right and it's not good <laughs> and um i know you died in like 67 lewis but you should know that. <laughs> you should know better i want you to think about that yeah i'd like you to take the time that you have reflect in the grave <laughs> um i literally only have one other thing yeah this book is called The Last Battle. This book was not really about a battle. 
I was expecting a battle, and mm. there kind of was one, but it was not big. It's like I don't even remember it. It's maybe fifty total people, like both sides included. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was expecting, like, there is a huge battle at the end of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe between all of the white witches, like, cronies and different creatures and things, and everybody, like, all the true Narnians. Mm -hmm. That's what I was expecting. And I was also expecting, like, Book of Revel... I mean, there's, there's some, like, wild stuff. I mean, like, Father Time literally gets woken up, and he, like, blows his <laughs> horn, and, like, the stars come home. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, I was expecting a little bit more, like, I don't know, grandeur or something yeah. at the end of the world. Yeah. It's not it's really muted. about the battle. Yeah. Like... Because the battle is really just, like, these, like human or like ground people who like are having this like skirmish when in reality it's all about going through the door right and right like they end up through the door into the like stable and they find out oh this is like the halfway between yeah (laughs) shadowland narnia the narnia that they've been living in this whole time and like narnia narnia and uh, aslan's country Mm -hmm. um because, you know, they're at first when they realize that Narnia is being destroyed, it's like they're grieving over it. But then it's they realize that was just sort of like this muted version of Narnia, and now yeah. they get to go to the Everything's real Narnia. More real. Yeah, and all it's the in high definition. And all the hikings, like the Pevensey kids, come back. Diggory and Polly from the Magician's Nephew, they come back. Um, uh, Susan, one of the Four kids does not come back because apparently she's more interested in nylons. Well, she's not and dead, red lipstick. To be fair. That's true. Everyone else is dead. Yeah, but as you said, other people get to come in and they're not. <laughs> they didn't die. Right, but the Pevensies did die. You're right. They did they die. They died were in a on train the train. Crash. Right. That's right. But again, there's this whole like. Lewis has a lot of ideas of what women are interested yeah. in. I'm not trying to say that I don't like a red lipstick, but <laughs> come on. Um, but hopefully not what's keeping you out of heaven. Preferably. I would hope that other things. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Too much. Um, anyway, that's really all I had. Like, I, I'm going to be honest and like, I kind of teared up a little bit finishing this book yeah. just because like, I've now read them all and this is... I mean, I started reading them probably literally 20 years ago. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to rereading The Silver Chair uh, post-episode and watching the BBC version. <laughs> but it's kind of like closes a, a chapter for a better words. Um, so yeah, overall good. Again... Not a fave, but definitely a page turner. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, totally worth reading. Sorry, listeners. This is a long one. But keep in mind, I literally talked about seven books. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No.
Till we... next time. What are we doing next time, Lee? I'm not even going to pretend I know what we're reading <laughs> next time. Um, <laughs> I have finished Dune. I'm trying to get my dad in yeah. into the studio uh, to talk about Dune because he is one of the few people I know who has also read it. And I'd love to hear what someone who read it so many years ago and is also probably, I'm assuming, has seen the David Lynch version of the movie. Um, we also have some other people who are looking to come on. And so I will not say something incorrect that we have to correct next time. So we hope you liked this summer of Jesus with a few sprinkles of other things thrown in as well. We would like to thank uh, Velt Punch for their song Fighting Pose from their album His Strange Fighting Pose. We love being able to use it. So thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.